hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I'm Jason Thompson again. I mean, you know that by now. You've been listening to episodes one to five. You know it's going to be me doing episode six. And of course, I'm here with Joe Ford, without whom this would not be Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. So, hello, Joe. Hello. Are you aware that people have been listening to us now for nearly two weeks? Well, if they manage to sit through all of Master Plan, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know you split that one up over three sessions, didn't you? So. I've um, now I know I brought this up earlier in the story, but I do have a question for you about robots in your eyes. Go for it. Well, I see that a couple of episodes have come out recently. So what's the latest you've recorded? What's the latest we've recorded? Well, I think we're about six episodes. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got quite a few in the bank. So <laughs> it's a nice place to be, you know. Yeah, it is. But unlike you, Joe, we don't get multiple episodes out of a single recording. One recording, one episode. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the most genius thing ever. No editing and seven episodes out of two recordings. I mean, go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lazy man's podcasting. But people seem to like it. It works. It's very good. Very enjoyable. Well, look. Can you please regale us then with your full score for the cliffhanger of episode five of Evil of the Darks? We have said it's very, very unusual. Episode five of the Evil of the Daleks, I rated 10 out of 10 on my uh, my, my thread. God, and you don't give those out easily. I do not, no. Mm-hmm. But I've what did I say? I said, oh, what a cracker this one is. We've heard characters supposing that adding the human factor will make the Daleks even more dangerous. But what a twist to have them being playful and carting the doctor around for a ride. This is also a turning point for the whole story. And is this as it is this childlike nature that provides the resolution to it. A key moment. And if it only existed, sure to be a memorable image. And the tele snaps look quite impressive as well, with the doctor being surrounded by Daleks and then being carried on the front of one of them. Although the image of him standing on the fender of that Dalek being carried around does make me wonder what damage he did to that particular Dalek prop, because it's not supposed to carry a human on the front of it. Would you regale everybody with your Twitter handle, please? Certainly. It's at Jason underscore JTT. Will you please go and find at... Oh, God, can you say that again? (laughs) At Jason underscore JTT. Because that's the sort of fabulous insight you're going to get into these cliffhangers when you do. All right. I don't always agree with you. And that's only right and good, because if we all thought the same, the world would be a very boring place. But boy, you make me think about things. Well, I'm glad to be having that effect. I hope that uh, people are enjoying the, the threads. I'm always amazed by the level of engagement that you get on on Twitter. Um even I know that even some people, you know, people don't click the likes or they don't reply. But I know that people are reading them because when I put up polls about things, I get more responses than I expected ever. Yeah, it's, I'm absolutely terrible for clicking like and things like that. And occasionally I'll like throw comments out there and things like that. But the thing I love about yours is, is you always say, you, you know, you you did on this day, you did video covers, you've done cliffhangers and you've done actors and other things. So you always take a bit of an original approach to stuff that I consider to be very well worn, you know. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I just 
basically i just do what i like and what i hope other people will enjoy <laughs> that's what i'll do with this podcast you know <laughs> yeah. i'll just do what i want and put it out there and <laughs> hope someone will bloody well press play <laughs> yeah well it all depends on you know how much energy i've got as well I remember i did couple of years ago i did a doctor who advent calendar where i did christmas moments counting down from one to 24 up to christmas and then last year i was like oh, i haven't got the energy for that so 24 pictures of my cats that's what you're going to get for the advent calendar amazing well cat pictures <laughs> gold toby hado you know he was on this thing lamenting the fact that he pours all this effort and energy into happy times and places and too much information you know and and puts these things out there and then he puts out a picture of his dog and the dog gets more likes than the <laughs> <laughs> That's a universal thing for any internet. I know, thing. people as love As soon as you put a pet picture up, that will get way more engagement <laughs> than anything you do. It's, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Toby. That's, that is universal. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, look, let's seek away from Twitter. Let's head into Evil of the Daleks. Let's I believe we're heading to Scaro this week. We are indeed heading to Scaro this week, so... Shall I count us in? Let's do it. Okay. In five, four, three, two, one, go. Oh, yes, it's playing. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. After that episode, I'm really scared. And I don't think that we would suspect that this story would end on Scaro in episodes two, three, and four. No, I don't think we would. Um, it... It's one of the things that sustains its seven episodes is the fact that it keeps moving the location. It's I do think though, it is a little I remember when I listened to the soundtrack the first time and the gear shift of okay, well, we're just gonna blow up the house and we're gonna send off all these extraneous characters. It felt a little clunky. Yeah, I suppose it is a little bit, but uh I rather like it. But yeah, I I really enjoyed the start of this episode with the Daleks playing games. <laughs> Master um, doesn't seem terribly impressed with it all. Well, no, I mean these are these are not the Daleks that are going to give him the promised uh, metal into gold secret. No, definitely not. Do you think when um, obviously Daleks as sort of evil bastards that go around killing people is fun, but do you think sort of deviations from that like? this it always works it's hard to say because it hasn't happened that often well like power of the dice was very different as well wasn't it i am your servant yeah i think that worked brilliantly i know i've seen a few people who say they hate that um the dalek should never be um in that position they should never be doing that but i love it because they're starting off at a disadvantage they have to manipulate the people to get what they want i think it does usually work when they do it um the mystery in victory of the daleks as to why the daleks are being servants even though that is lifted straight out of power of the daleks <laughs> even to the intonation that nick briggs uses for i am your soldier and they don't hide that do they at all no that's 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 wearing its influence proudly on its sleeve um but uh, yeah, here we are, Alpha, Beta, and Omega. Three Daleks with names. And th they've written on the Daleks, just like the, uh, how they used to do that on the set in the original Dalek story, just so they could tell them apart. <laughs> yes. Dalek number one, move to your right. <laughs> and I, I love the movement here on the animation. Yeah, they're just 
having a great deal of fun. I wonder how well that translated on the on the real um, episode, because I know that by this point, the Dalek operators were fairly adept at what they were mm. doing. Now is not a good time to try and eat the microphone, Nala. <laughs> Talking about cute animals. Horror. Horror. That's what you are. Look, look, busy. See, busy. Oh, look, look. She took one look at the Daleks and ran off. <laughs> but it's quite a feat, you know, to suggest playful movement with an inanimate shell. It's like. Well, it's one of the things that the operators at this time, the 60s and in the Pertwee stories as well, were pretty good at was keeping them fairly well animated. Yeah, um, constantly twitching. I mean, infamously, of course, there's that sequence in Death to the Daleks where there are four Daleks and clearly only three operators. One of them is one of them is the Dalek that fell asleep in a meeting. You know, it's did you read a commentary <laughs> to that one where Cy Town is there and he's going, Well, why don't you just get a stick and poke it or something? It looks ridiculous. He's really taking Michael Bryant to task. Yeah, fair enough. Because by all accounts, there have are, to be four Daleks. They are <laughs> they a bunch, these Dalek operators. I think you'd have to be. <laughs> what a career. Did you ever listen to um, the audio story Jubilee? Yes. Where they, they had uh, midgets imported so they could be put into Daleks. <laughs> and one didn't fit, so they chopped his arm off. Yep. <laughs> it was really sick. That was a that was a weird weird story. I don't think the BBC went to those links. No, no, they didn't. But, uh, those fats are still bubbling. Yeah, and oh, there's a mysterious box attached to the floor in the laboratory. What could it be? Is that the bomb? That's the bomb. Oh my god! Total destruction. Yeah, you know what this means, don't you? He's never going to get the results to that experiment. No, he's going to wreck all that glassware. Yeah, that's a lovely house as well. Yes. Well, not for much longer. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's pissed. He's pissed about the house being destroyed. And then they're like, well, here's the secret. So he doesn't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, when they when we get to Scarrow, that's when his character gets very strange. Isn't it? He suddenly starts. He he attacks Victoria at one point, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, we, we supposedly under duress. <clears throat> yeah, it does all go a bit weird. <laughs> he starts pretending to be a Dalek. <laughs> well, no, he is a Dalek, isn't he? He is a Dalek. He's turned into one. Yeah, very weird. But not for a while, just yet. No, no, we've got to lose the house first. Yeah. We've got to, yes, go and fetch the doctor. So he just stands and shouts out the door, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and this is the moment where Waterfield has realised what Maxtable has done. So is this their big confrontation now? This is their big confrontation, yes. It's about time he grew a spine, though. You could say that, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think, I think... Um, Oh, what's it? John Bailey playing with. Mm. Oh, no, he's great. Really good. I'm sort of watching the dialogue now. I'm I'm seeing this heated extra. You sold yourself out to them, haven't you? And then Max just goes, you fool. Yes. You've brought this misery down upon us. 
Yeah. And uh, Maxwell trying is like, you know, oh, well, they're giving metal into gold as if that's Wilfred's going to go. Oh, all right, then. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I don't we're in danger. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> oh, as long as you're doing it all for a good reason, we'll be rich. <laughs> Do we know what um, Edward Waterfield actually did for a living, you know, in the past? No, not at all. The only thing we know about him is in episode two when Maxtable says Waterfield is an expert in certain technical matters. Oh, okay. Well, presumably, he and Maxtable are both scientists of some description. But, uh, He's an expert in arranging a series of mirrors to create a time machine. Apparently so, yes. He makes the greatest breakthrough in the history of science and no one will ever know because it got blown up. <laughs> Unbelievably, you know, the Big Finish audio Time of the Daleks featuring the Eighth Doctor and Charlie Pollard stole that idea straight out of this. And he, Justin Richards even says, he, you know, Evil of the Daleks was my biggest because they've got a time machine made out of mirrors and clocks. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was in my. I was subscribed to Big Finish at that point with the Eighth Doctor audio. Oh, well, you can't now. You need a second mortgage. Well, exactly. You need, <laughs> you need a second mortgage, and you need a second house to store them all in. Yeah, I can attest to that. Okay. <laughs> Did you see that there? That clock said rails. Yes, they uh, they pinched the um, rail counter <laughs> for this one. I don't think that was in the original. Was that from the Dalek movies? I think that. Originally, yeah, the, yeah. the rail counter from Dalek Invasion, Earth 2150 AD. You know, I love it, the way um, those Peter Cushing movies with the, the TARDIS doors on the interior found their way into the new series. Yes, definitely. Uh, definitely an influence. That was a great move. Those Daleks better get out of there pretty fast. They're going as fast as they can. I'm assuming on the original, uh, we never saw the house go up. No, I imagine it was just a um, fade to white kind of thing, possibly with a little bit of a damp squib explosion in the... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of dry ice pumped in. Yeah, probably something like that. Oh, I love this. Everyone's sort of coming in the room one after another. Like, okay, we've got to get out of this part of the story now. Yes. Yeah, there's the rail counter again. But uh, yeah, and then this is the bit where we dig out that time machine from episode two that we haven't seen. Mm. we're now on episode six just for you know context so about a month has gone by at this point since we last saw that machine it's Chekhov's dalek time machine yes you know if you're going to use it in episode one you better damn well make sure it's important to the plot later on absolutely uh we won't ask how the doctor knows what time period to set it to or why if there's this time machine what the hell they're still using the cabinet for um Again, what's going on? Hang on. So they use the time machine to escape, yeah? Yes. So how do you make a time machine transport you through space? Well, I don't know. (laughs) Well, technically speaking... The more I'm thinking none of this is making sense. (laughs) Well, technically speaking, a time machine would have to transmit you through space anyway, because if I sat in my living room and attempted to time travel one hour into the future in my living room i'd have to account for the fact that otherwise i'd end up somewhere else in space well in the same place in space but a different part of time it's yeah you have to fix your coordinates around something and figure out what your uh, what your relative coordinates are so yeah 
Yeah, and he did it in a very he did it in about thirty seconds as well. I mean, I know he's a clever man. Yes, but there we go. And here we are, the Dalek control the Dalek corridor and cells. Suddenly everything's sort of graded blue. I'll take your word for that. I can't remember because I'm watching the black and white version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually it looks very effective. I love that every time we see Victoria, we get that sort of romantic music, don't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jason, look at her. <laughs> She's got Kemmel there now. Indeed. I'm not sure, you know, that relationship would be approved of. <laughs> Almost certainly not, but Maxwell doesn't care, so... Yeah, what does she say he does to her? She suddenly screams, like a piercing scream. He came up behind me in the dark and twisted my arm. Oh, okay. That's not as bad as I was fearing. Yeah, but uh, what do you think of the, the sets on Scaro, the Dalek corridor and, and cell sets? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we've got enough of the telly snaps and we've got enough. I think this is a fairly sort of accurate representation of how they looked. They're stark, but I think they're quite effective. They feel big. They do. Um, they do feel big. What I also enjoy about them is obviously they're nothing like the last time we saw the Dalek City. Um. But I think actually that making them a bit bigger like that is is an improvement. But I also like the fact that we get those Dalek corridor sound effects again later. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what it's all about, that weird noise. It's sort of like going off into the distance, isn't it? And then coming back at you. Yeah, I believe it was supposed to be kind of the the wind whistling through the corridors and the weird acoustics oh, of the, the metal of the shapes and the metal walls and doors. Frame. I wonder, cause you know, they're saying they, they run on static electricity. It's sort of like the currents running mm. about or something like that. Well, there's no current in static electricity. That's why it's called static. Joe. <laughs> All right. Don't you bring your science on me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad. Otherwise I'll sound very foolish. <laughs> I really like those establishing shots of the city from the distance. Yes. And they did they did have this sort of rocky set, didn't they, when they're on the outside? They did, although there was some pictures on Twitter not that long ago that showed it and it's one of those kind of don't don't show us the studio angles because basically it's like one side of the studio with a little oh, bit of right, okay. a raised platform with some fabric thrown over it to suggest rocks and things and it's it's still very effective and it's done very nicely. One thing I did think was excellent about, oh, well, particularly in the 60s, is when you realise just how little space they had. And I remember watching, I remember getting a strange look, uh, a strange look from Zoe one evening because I was looking at the bed. And then I, I realised that I'd been listening to Toby Haydoke's Too Much Information about one of the episodes of Marco Polo. And he'd said that... Uh, the the jungle or the forest set where Tigana and Akamak conspired was a six foot by four foot corner of the studio with some foliage in it. And it's like, wow, they acted that entire scene on a sequence the size of basically a double bed. Yeah. You know, that's it's that's, incredible, that's isn't it? Into a corner. It's fantastic. But then I've always said that about those early days is is they can just take you around the universe in the corner of Lime Grove and and you just go with it, you know. Oh, you through do. the power of the acting, the terrific direction, and you know, like those those 
backcloths that they did. I just admire it so much. Oh, they were fabulous. The the paintings and the backdrops were absolutely superb. I mean, the, generally speaking, it's it's somewhat sad, really, that most of the time when you hear those being discussed, it's when the lighting has gone wrong and people are casting shadows on the backdrop or you know, the backcloth has got creases in it and things like that. But uh, Or Richard Martin shot it from the wrong angle. Well, that's, you know, that's very frequent. But the sort of the scale it gives... But it, it does you know. work fantastically well. And... and Jesus Christ, we know it's fucking artifice. Go with it. Well, that's All the, the television thing. I'm, is I'm sure yeah. I'm repeating myself. And I've said before, you know, if you go to the theatre, everyone's willing to forgive the yeah, fact. Exactly. Yeah, we know it's a backdrop. And we know that that, that wall is actually just a piece of metal on a on a strut and everything and we know it's all fake because it's a stage and we're watching it but for some reason when we watch things on television we expect them to be ultra realistic and if they're not we pick holes in it and i find that a bit weird (laughs) it's baffling you know we're obviously not on an alien planet here we're obviously in a studio but what's astonishing here is i think i think is they get the scale right because in a minute we duck into that fabulous set with the emperor in it Mm. It feels big. It feels like Doctor Who, you know, the biggest it's ever been. It does. I mean, this is almost, um, I think I may have said on an earlier episode, this is almost a season finale before season finales were a thing. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yes. You know, this feels big and epic and like... Climactic. <clears throat> yeah, definitely very climactic. And with a definitive ending for the oh, Daleks. Yeah. Or, if, or at least it certainly feels that way. Yeah. I do like the Daleks with black domes in this one. I like the little, just that little bit of difference to show which ones are the leaders. Which, um, are we actually seeing any of the, I'm looking for writing. Oh yeah, there he is. There he is. I'm not sure if it's Alpha, Beta or Omega. It's Omega. Oh yeah, it's my name. The doctor gave it to me. He's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) you know what like i don't think we've had any um psychology anywhere near as interesting as power of the daleks in this and they've tried they've tried with a sort of human factor dalek factor thing but the scene where the dalek goes in and says why why should i obey you and all i it's that that's up there with some of the stuff with power of the daleks it's i love that scene oh it is yeah it is it is good. Yeah. I love the Dalek voices in this story as well, I think. So it's what? Hawkins and Skelton? Uh yes. Yeah, Peter Hawkins does Dalek voices brilliantly. Well, I still yeah, a lot of people say Briggs Nick Briggs is the voice of the Daleks. I still say Peter Hawkins, you know. Nick Briggs is great. He is good. Yeah. Yeah. Can't can't knock him. But, but yeah, I've, unfortunately, I've is... now heard my you know two hundred and fortieth Dalek Big Finish story with Nick Briggs doing every Dalek. So I'm just a bit bored of it now. <laughs> yeah, I think. But I think Peter Hawkins was well. He was the first, wasn't he? So yeah. And I think absolutely synonymous with their success. Those voices. Definitely. So one of those. One of those guys that you hear in a lot of things, but don't see him very much. You don't see him at all in Doctor Who. Um, the only thing I've actually seen Peter Hawkins in, thinking about it, is um, Dave Allen at large. Okay. He's uh, he's one of the regulars on that um, series. 
Why did Matable scream just then? He was ordered to, apparently. Because they want, as Victoria realises, they want to draw the humans in the city on by making noises to draw them in. Do you know, this This does have um, similarities to Dalek's master plan, doesn't it? I feel like we've had a lot of episodes now, not padding, but a, sort of a lot of running around. And then in the second to last episode, we're going to a sort of a very serious tone again in a science fiction setting with a city. And then in the last episode, it's a big sort of climactic final episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, David Whittaker wrote the two Patrick. See, there we go. Fluffing the lines. Yeah. David Whittaker wrote the two Trout and Dalek stories and he doesn't skimp on the climax. <laughs> Don't you dare throw that at me. Behave yourself, Jack. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you said something in the last episode. I was like, no, I'm going to let it slide. Really? What did I say? <laughs> you said... <laughs> <laughs> something along the lines of they've taken the doctor from behind and they've taken him for a ride and I, was oh. like, I was like he must know what he's saying surely <laughs> filth absolute filth mind you Fraser Gregory did ask on Twitter how many times can you get away with the look at the size of that thing Joe gag and uh... <laughs> don't say that too much in this today look at the size of that thing does he say that about the emperor he does, yeah, at the end of this okay. episode. Yes, Jamie, that is a big one. <laughs> but that is a big one, though, you know? I've never seen bigger, if I'm honest. Anyway. <laughs> no, but, you know, when he, when they brought in the Dalek Emperor in Partner of the Ways, hmm. I'm going to rip on Partner of the Ways. I think it's amazing. But I don't think it's anywhere near as impressive as the Dalek Emperor in this. I agree with you entirely. Um, and indeed, somebody on Twitter said the same. Yeah, Jim Allenby says the design of the Dalek Emperor in this story is perfect. It sits there like a spider in a web waiting for the Doctor to walk into its lair. The Emperor design in The Parting of the Ways is not as good. Which version do you prefer? And I agree entirely. This one is better. Well, what's interesting is in Bad Wolf, you've got the controller, which is like a spider in a web with all the sort of tubes coming off. And I think that's far more striking than the Dalek Emperor that we get in, in the next episode. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. Oh, now we can hear the Dalek heartbeat sound and we're about <laughs> to meet the Dalek Emperor. <laughs> Look at the way they're animated, creeping about. It's really <laughs> funny. Oh, but you know what? I'm actually my brain is tricked a bit, Jason, because when I'm watching those Daleks, I'm almost tricked into thinking I'm watching live footage. The animated Daleks are superb. It's, but I, it's smooth, it, isn't it? It is, and I find I found that with the power of the Daleks in particular, they were able to animate the Daleks as 3D things because they're properly mapped, but not the humans. They're animated very much 2D, and I find that a little bit jarring in places. The yeah. Emperor is superb design. And it's superbly animated here as well. It's very well animated. And it's very well shot. I think it's interesting, as we say, you know, you get the uh, look at the size of that thing, Doctor. And from the tele snaps, you can see that it was shot mostly from below. <clears throat> 
um, to make it look like it's towering over everybody. But then you get some of the production stills of it and you look at it and it's, it's on a raised platform and it's not actually that big. It feels massive. The way it's shot makes it feel absolutely massive, but it's not actually huge, huge. You know, it's... I can remember it once being on the front cover of Doctor Who magazine. I, yeah. I just bought that magazine. And I was like, that's the best thing I've ever seen. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And do you think it diminishes the Daleks at all to have like a, I don't know, is it like a, like king of the Daleks? No, I don't think so. No, I think it's. I mean, they've had the they've had the Dalek Emperor in the comic strip for ages. David Whittaker's just been aching to get it into the series proper, hasn't he? Because we've had the uh, the comic strip Emperor with the big gold sphere for a head. Oh, with all the lights going around the dome. Yeah. Oh, he was a devious bugger, you know, in those comic oh, strips. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a shame we never saw him in the the TV series. Yeah, it is really. Don't you be talking to me about that roll-on mum deodorant in Remembrance of the Daleks, all right? That don't count. <laughs> uh, we've got this one, this superb, brilliant emperor with uh, with his chumbly hat. <laughs> the top of the dome on him is a chumbly, basically. <laughs> oh, look, and there's a TARDIS. My God, we haven't even thought about the TARDIS since episode one. No, but now he will take the Dalek factor and spread it through the entire history of Earth. Ah, oh, feels like a big moment. Tell me you love this cliffhanger. Come on. Let's see what I rated this one, shall we? Read it out. Come on, for everybody. Oh, I rated it 10 out of 10. <laughs> and what did you say? Come on. Oh, good question. I just closed the wrong window. Bugger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you find that between episodes, because I want to hear what you got to say about that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, is that the biggest threat that we face that the Doctor is going to be forced? We know the Doctor will capitulate to Dalek commands because he's been doing it throughout this entire story. If you know his his friends' lives are in danger, I'm I'm not sure. I quite understand. <laughs> How precisely do you um, do you get the Dalek factor from the human factor? Oh, it's just the exact opposite. I don't know. <laughs> but that's kind of what they're saying, isn't it? Yeah. But it's uh, it's rather odd, really, that they needed this whole thing. But yeah, what did I say? I said uh, the Dalek's real plan is revealed and we meet the giant Emperor Dalek. The serial is starting to take on season finale vibes. The booming voice of the Emperor makes the final line awesome and memorable. Another cracker. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Two 10 out of 10s in the same serial. That's uh, that's unusual. Is that rare? Did you do that again? Uh, I can't remember. I know I did it for a couple of episodes of Power of the Daleks as well. I bet it was. I bet it was the the... Letterson looking through the window at the Daleks being assembled. That must have been a 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, I'm going like, to find out. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be facetious, but you know, I'm going to be. But like, what? I feel like this is a very long winded way to find the Dalek factor that they just needed to read a couple of psychology books about humans to define the character traits of the average human and then go, right. So the complete opposite of that is the Dalek factor. 
that's what we're going to spread through time. And how do you spread it through time? Well, apparently it gets converted into a steam. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> okay, so yeah, for Power of the Daleks, I gave 10 out of 10 to episode two. Oh, yeah, that's a goodie. That's when the Daleks watching him, isn't it? Yeah. That episode two is I Am Your Servant. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, episode four, which is the production line. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really well done in the in the audio CD with Annika Wills narrating it when she says that Lesterson finally realises the Daleks are not just reproducing, they are mass producing. Woo. And of course, episode five. Well, that's three, was it? Three in one story? Three in one story, yeah. Now that'd be bittered. Well, we'll see. We'll see as we go through the thread. We will indeed, yes. Uh, Jason, would you care to embark with me now on the rarest of things in a hamster with blunt pen knife? Episode seven. Episode seven. I would love to do episode seven with you, Joe. I believe there's only five episode sevens in Doctor Who, isn't there? Like, of a seven-parter. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to narrow it to a, of a seven-parter, then, yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, the Daleks, Marco Polo, Evil of the Daleks. Ah, no, six. The Daleks, yeah. Marco Polo, Evil of the Daleks, Doctor Who and the Silurians, Ambassadors of Death and Inferno. Ah, yes, of course. But then also... Those are your seven parts. But then, of course, we can't forget that there's an episode seven in The Invasion, The War Games, and The Trial of a Time Lord. Come on, you've forgotten one. Well, there's a seventh episode in the Dark Master Plan, but it's not called episode seven. Oh, fair enough. Oh, all right, <laughs> be that person. But yeah, I say, in fact, you know what? There's not many of these episode sevens, you know? You've done two of them now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, you haven't yet. Let's go and do it now. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 